Paul's epistles usually open with a greeting that mentions God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, in Romans 1.7, Paul wrote, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Are these greetings an affirmation of the doctrine of the Trinity? Stay tuned to hear Dr. David K. Bernard's response. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. It's been pointed out pretty frequently that most of Paul's epistles open with some version of what Romans 1 and 7 says. Paul opens by saying, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts out 1 Corinthians the same way. He writes, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Trinitarians would point to these verses as saying, this proves that there's a distinction between the Father and the Son. How would you respond to that argument that all these openings to Paul's epistles are just further proof of the doctrine of the Trinity? They do demonstrate a distinction between God and the Son, but that is one of deity and humanity and of the incarnation and the atonement. They do not prove the Trinity by any means for several reasons. First of all, if you're trying to prove the Trinity, why would there be a mention of two and not three? Second of all, it's not, uh, you know, the, the Trinity, the doctrine says there are three co-equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in these references, there isn't, as I've already said, there's not three. But even when it talks about Jesus Christ, they're not really identifying Jesus Christ strictly as the Son. Uh, but it's grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And typically, there is no extra the or definite article in the Greek. So, uh, and and some would even point out the word and is chi, which can mean and or even. So it doesn't have to mean a different person. We see this very clearly in a passage like Titus two thirteen, looking for the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So it's not God and then another person Savior, but God and Savior, God even our Savior. So some point to that, but I do believe the word and there can and should be interpreted as and in that there is a genuine distinction of being made, but it's not a distinction of two divine per- persons. So here's the overall concept. Paul is a Jew, and of course, uh, the early Christians were Jews originally, and they wrote and understood from the Old Testament, from a Jewish context. So they knew that salvation comes from the one true God. There's only one God. He's the only source of salvation. In fact, Isaiah is emphatic. Uh, Yahweh, Jehovah of the Old Testament says, I'm the only Savior. Uh, You see this in Isaiah uh, 44, Isaiah 45. I'm the only one. I'm the only Savior. If you want to be saved, you have to look to me. So Paul's Jewish background and, of course, writing to the Romans and Corinthians, most of them were probably Gentiles, but there were still Jewish Christians there. And many of them, their only scripture was the Old Testament. So they still had a, the, the background of a Jewish concept. They knew salvation is only from God. Grace is from God. 
peace, which is more is wholeness, reconciliation, a relation comes from God. But Paul wanted to emphasize it's not enough to believe in the one God and worship God and then ignore Jesus. Under the new covenant, you're not saved if you just worship the one God. Because the Jewish people who rejected Christ, they still worship the one God. They still went to the temple and offered sacrifices. And Paul is saying, no, they're not saved. Why? Because grace and peace come not only from God, as the creator, the giver of the law, but more specifically, also from Jesus Christ. In other words, you must recognize Jesus Christ as the incarnation of God, as God manifests in the flesh. You must recognize that Jesus is the Savior, that the way God has chosen to save us is in and through Jesus Christ. So I think he's emphasizing you must believe not only in the work of God, but more specifically in the work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You must believe in the incarnation and the atonement. But it's still the work of one God. So he's reminding the early church, you're saved. You have grace and peace because it comes from God, but it's given to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And as you have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've been born again, and now you have grace and peace from God and Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, that still sounds a little strange. It sounds two-ish, but that's only because we're reading it from our perspective of centuries of Trinitarian teaching. But you can't, that's not the right way to read the New Testament. You must read it from the perspective of the people there. The doctrine of the Trinity had not been invented until the it would not even though even the word trinity even the phrase three persons was never even used in the bible or for the next couple hundred years it was ad 200 and later when these doctrines and terms were were actually used and so from our perspective we think of those terms when we hear god and jesus but from the first century they wouldn't have even thought of those terms they would have thought as much as i've said well we believe in god so why is he saying god and jesus well he's saying god and jesus to say, you must not only believe in God, you must specifically believe that he came in flesh as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to die for your sin as a human. You must believe in God specifically and Jesus, but not as two persons, as the manifestation of the one God for your salvation. And we see this clearly when we go back to the Old Testament. So I want to point this out, and maybe this will put it in biblical perspective. So it doesn't sound strange at all. It sounds very biblical. So in ancient Israel, the priest would pronounce a blessing over the people. They would gather the people together, pray over them, and they would actually call the name of Yahweh over them. And here we see it in Numbers 6, 22 through 27. Number 622, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord, and that's in all capitals, literally meaning Jehovah or Yahweh. So Yahweh bless you and keep you. The Lord, Yahweh, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel. I will bless them. So when they, when they prayed the blessing, may the name of Yahweh be on you. May Yahweh bless you. May Yahweh be gracious to you. May Yahweh give you peace, grace and peace. 
So Paul's Jewish audience and even his Gentile Christian audience that was trained in the Old Testament, when he said grace and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, they would have thought, well, wait a minute. The way the priests pronounce God's grace and peace is may Yahweh give you grace. May Yahweh give you peace. So the same grace and peace is not from three persons in the Old Testament, but from one, Yahweh. But now it's from God and Jesus. In other words, you must not only believe in Yahweh as your creator, you must believe that Yahweh came in flesh. And of course, the name Jesus literally means Yahweh Savior. And that gives you a further interesting study because in Numbers, they were calling the name Yahweh to put it over the people, to bless them. Well, how do we do that in the New Testament? We don't call Yahweh. But if you go to one of the passages you mentioned, 1 Corinthians, um, before he before Paul says grace and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I'm writing to the church at Corinth and to all in every place that call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So they're identified as the people who call, not on Yahweh, but on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can also connect that Acts 2.21. Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's quoting from Joel 2, where the Lord is Yahweh. Peter quotes that, but then he applies that to Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, if you call in the name of Yahweh, you'll be saved. In the New Testament, how do you call in the name of Yahweh? Jesus, whoever calls on the name of Jesus. And of course, we have Acts 4.12, speaking of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So the interesting study is in the Old Testament, the way to be saved was to call the name of Yahweh. In the Old Testament, the way to be blessed, the way to have grace and peace was to have the name of Yahweh called over you. In the New Testament, The way to be saved, to have grace and peace, is to have the name of Jesus called over you, more specifically in water baptism, but also when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're calling on the name of Jesus. We could also link Acts 22, 16, where Paul is converted. God strikes him with a light from heaven, speaks the voice. Paul says, who are you, Lord? The Lord says, I'm Jesus. And the Lord says, go find a man named Ananias. He'll tell you how to be saved. And so Paul comes to Ananias, Ananias preaches Jesus to him. And then in verse Acts twenty two sixteen, and why do you wait? Why tarry thou? Why do you wait any longer? Arise and be baptized and call on the name of the Lord, which is Jesus. So I really think it's a oneness text. If you come from the Old Testament background, we the Old Testament background says you are the people of Yahweh. The name of Yahweh has been called over you to give you grace and peace. And Paul writes, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, it's not calling on God as Father or Yahweh. It's calling on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the culmination is Jesus Christ. It's not a Trinitarian reference at all. It is an emphasis. You must acknowledge God as your Father but you must also acknowledge God as your Savior. Specifically, you must acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.